We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the KCSN Draft Show. He's my favorite player in the draft. This dude right here, he's going to be one of those guys that I stand on the table If for. I could, I would trade up for this guy. This guy has a beat on an early My Guy stand. A very merry draftmas to all of you. Thank you for joining us. It's the KCSN Draft Show here on KC Sports Network. And uh, we are really excited to take a little break from the free agency, talk a little bit of draft. Um, you know, there's... They, they all work together, and uh, we get excited here about all the draft happenings, and here to help me talk about the draft today are, is my buddy, Matty Lane, KCSN. What's good, buddy? Listen, uh, we're not going to, you know, we're, we were think, talking about this show. There's a lot of free agency stuff happening right now. We didn't want to record something directly tied to Chiefs free agency in case there's a big move that's not going to happen while we record this at 11.08 Thursday morning. Okay, so nothing is going to happen while we record this. But this, we wanted to make sure this wasn't going to be tied specifically to free agency. So we're just going to be looking, just looking at the draft, just the draft today. Get a little break, you know, switch our minds off of what the Chiefs are or aren't spending. And just let's focus on the fun part of football, the draft. Yeah, let's do it. And uh, we're going to kind of preview a couple positions today. I think we're going to try to preview some of these positions as we go along during the season. And we're going to start with a hot topic today. It's the edge position. And, uh, yeah, so, uh, we just kind of wanted to run through some guys, talk about, you know, some potential fits for the chiefs, because, you know, I think regardless of what the chiefs do with the edge position in free agency, I think they have a need here and obviously what they do at the edge position, you know, in free agency with trades, whatever, whatever, um, it will affect how much draft capital they invest. But I think you can look up and down the board and see, you know, some guys, uh, that that could potentially fit this football team. I think there's two, three, I, I'd say four clear-cut guys that are gone before the Chiefs pick, Maddie. And well, I'll, I'll say three clear, and then one, you know, maybe he could be available in a potential trade-up. I think Aiden Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau, and Trayvon Walker are undoubtedly gone. Agree? Yeah, uh, I I would agree. Those three are for sure gone. I think likely there's going to be some more guys, which I think we're about to get to. But yeah. Well, actually, no, you know what? No, I think there's four. Jermaine Johnson's definitely gone too. Um, I'm adding him. 
here's the here's my question because I wrote I, I I threw the Jermaine Johnson uh, write up in from the draft guide on the KC Sports Network um, Substack uh, this week. I want to know from you: Do you think he is in trade up territory? No, I don't. I think he's going to be mm. gone before then. Okay, uh, you don't trade up. You don't trade up twenty spots to get anything but a quarterback. And if you're not trading up to about the tenth pick, I don't think you're getting Jermaine Johnson. So you feel Jermaine Johnson's going to wind up top ten? I think he's. I think he's a lock for top fifteen. And like, I feel like I'm splitting hard hairs to say if it's going to be tenth or fifteenth. If he's going to go before, after Walker or or Thibodeau or something like that. So yeah, I think all four of those guys are going to go top fifteen, in my opinion. I want you to talk just really quick, though, about Jermaine Johnson, the edge out of Florida State. Just give me the 60-second elevator pitch on him just so people can hear. You know, I think he's the last top-shelf perfect fit for the Chiefs in a potential trade-up. I think he's the last potential guy you could trade-up for. Uh, Just tell me a little bit about what you think about him, 60-second elevator pitch. He's the perfect Steve Spagnuolo defensive end (laughs) you're ever going to create one in a lab. Thick built, good size, good weight, and make the fantastic length. He plays great versus the run. He sets the edge. He reads blocking distribution really, really well. So you're not going to catch him off guard on the outside. He'll got power in his hands to play through extension. And then as a pass rusher, it all centers around his hand usage and the ability to play through length. So he's running through your shoulder. He can reduce it. He has just enough flexibility and burst to be able to take that shoulder once he clears it. Like he is the perfect Steve Spagnuolo defensive end. I don't think you're looking at a 15 plus like potential sack guy, but a guy that's consistently in the double digits while being an excellent run defender. I feel pretty good about saying that's where he's looking at. Maddie, here's my question to you. How far up would you trade for Jermaine Johnson? And like, what, what are you giving up? What would you be willing to give up for Jermaine Johnson? I guess is my big question. You like to ask me trade value questions, like chart value questions when I'm not prepared for them. Um, I'm not <laughs> trading up beyond like pick 20. I don't think for a defensive end because the chiefs have so many other holes that as of recording this haven't filled. So like, I'm not, I don't want to dip into starting to get rid of your second round pick and maybe a third round pick as well, or start to look in the next year's first to move up very far. It's like, I'm not really thinking about moving much up past pick 20 um, to get Jermaine Johnson. Like, that's kind of where I end my my thoughts on trading up. So you could get to about pick 20, pick 19, that range, surrendering your second round pick. So the first and second round pick would get you to about 20. How do you feel about that? My what and what? My first, first and second pick. round pick. I don't love it. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't, I don't love having to give up my second round pick in the chief situation of having no corners, having no receivers, I think needing an improvement, right? side. like this can change is what I said. I don't know if I want to, I don't want to relate everything to free agency, but this team has too many holes to go from picking one player at pick 20 and then not another player until the pick in the nineties. Right. And it's, I, I agree. It's just, I, this team, there's a big need for pass rusher. I do. Jermaine Johnson's the guy, like, if you're looking at a guy to trade up, I think he's the most realistic option to trade up. And, I mean, he's he's an abs- he's an outstanding fit, like, as we kind of just talked about. Uh, and I think we kind of mentioned it when I wrote it up. He's like, he is the perfect Steve Spagnuolo defensive end. So, oh, he is. I just, yeah, he's the guy I kind of circled as maybe if his market falls a little bit. Uh, you can you can find a chance you can you know, take a chance on him. All right, I think- before we before we get off the top guys, I don't know if you were getting off of them next, but I, I just want to talk about this. this is a draft show. He doesn't have to all be one hundred and ten percent Chiefs fits. 
who's your number one edge in this class? If you were picking first, not even first, let's let's remove where you pick and just say if you got to get one of these guys, who do you want? I think it's Aiden Hutchinson out of Michigan. I want to remove the risk. That's it. I just want to remove the risk of saying first overall pick because I think yeah. that kind of changes my yeah. opinion edge once one. you remove the risk. Edge one. Yeah. yeah. I think Aiden Hutchinson is edge one in this class. Um, I... I mean, the dude plays so hard, and I don't think his testing was great. Like, I, he kind of tested like a Bosa, you know. Like, I don't his forty time wasn't great, but I think some of his other testing actually was pretty good, all things considered. It wasn't too bad. Um, very similar profile to the Bosa's. I don't think he's quite as good as them, but I think the effort, the intensity, are very Bosa like. Um, I, you know, and he put good tape together. You know, I don't know if he's the most explosive, most bendy guy in this class. Um, but you know, he's a powerful player that can play through the chest of guys and he can turn the corner enough as a two, six, six, 260 pound guy that, you know, you kind of like the juice that he does bring off the edge still a little bit. So I think it's, I think it's Hutchinson. Um, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna knock anybody that's looking at cave on Thibodeau cause he's the guy I normally like, but I just, I don't know. He's, he's a little squirrely for me. And that's, that's where I was. I had Hutchinson as my edge one. It was close, but I had him as my edge one. But I went back, and I I finished up a little bit of watching of both of them, and I, I have them now split. Now I now have Thibodeau as my edge one. Before, it was Hutchinson by half a point in our grading scale. Now it's Thibodeau by half a point. So, like, they're they're neck and neck, and I went barely back and forth. If you're not, if like, I think there's a lot of risk with Thibodeau. I think there is some, like, I didn't, we don't get to talk to him. We don't know him personally. It's so, like, I don't want to get too caught up right. in the details of him being very much vocal about his brand, seeming very into himself, not necessarily wanting to go through the effort of earning a starting role in Alabama. That really rubbed me the wrong way, but I don't get to talk to him all the time to really dig into that. It's so, like, I'm trying not to weigh into that. That's why I wanted to remove the risk. If I'm just getting the best talent and it's not about where I take them. Thibodeau, I think I'm going to put up a little bit higher than Hutchinson for one simple fact of, I think Hutchinson's kind of maximized his hands. He's maximized his get off. He's maximized his footwork up the arc. Like he's very clean as a prospect in what he's doing. I think Thibodeau still has is lacking in some of those areas. There's technical and more technical improvement to be had in Thibodeau than there is Hutchinson. And if I already have them so close where it is now, I'm going to bet on the guy that has more room to grow as a technician. So Thibodeau took that jump for me. So I just, and the reason I want to do this is I want to relate this back to the trade-up question. If Thibodeau's sitting there at pick 20 and I'm trading a first and a second for him because people are worried about his arrogant attitude, him telling coaches he doesn't need to hear what he did wrong because he already knows, and he falls for some random reason, now I'm intrigued. I'm now <laughs> intrigued if we're talking about trading up the pick 20 with my first and second for Kayvon Thibodeau. That's why I just wanted to talk. That's That was my whole point of trying to go into edge one. Yeah, no, it's it's uh it's it's an interesting. I mean, I think those like that we talked about that clear tier. I think that clear tier of the guys that you potentially look into trading up for. I think Jermaine Johnson's the one that could potentially fall, but even then I'm not super excited about the prospects of that happening. I think it probably won't. Um okay, so like we're looking in round 1. If you're looking in round run, you're probably looking at potentially there and some of the hotter names, we maybe don't align with all of these, but some of the players that some people consider in that top 40 range. Dave Ojabo out of Michigan. David Ojabo out of Michigan, edge rusher. George Karloftis out of Purdue. Boye Mafe out of Minnesota. A bunch of Big Ten pass rushers. Boye Mafe's had an outstanding pre-draft process. George Karloftis, 
we have we given our have we given our George Karloftis takes yet? Is it time? Yeah, we have. I, I think I think people are pretty well aware on where we stand with Karloftis. Like here, I'll tell you what. You gave me sixty seconds to talk Jermaine Johnson. You can have ninety seconds to tell people why you are not the biggest George Karloftis fan in the world. Well, besides, I, he's just he's rigid. He's a rigid pass rusher. And like, you know, like I know some of his metrics look good when some of his testing, but George Karloftis, big physical guy. Like I'm not going to like his, his physical profile is very good. And it is, you know, you know, six, four, two seventy, two seventy five. He's a big guy. He fits the C Spagnolo criteria, but the, fl- the stiffness through his frame is concerning. And he's not a guy that's going to be able to turn the corner. Um, he gets run up the arc far too much. Um, you would like, I mean, I, he's a physical, powerful player. Like, I think he plays through the chest of guys decently, but like, I don't think he's going to be able to convert some of his explosiveness really into production off the edge. And, um, I mean, I get like, there are in, there's things intriguing about his physical profile, but there's also for me, I very much have like, I don't like rigid pass rushers. I never have, never will. And I mean, I'm having to deal with it because Steve Spagnuolo is the defensive coordinator of the Chiefs. But I don't like the rigidity through his frame. I think it's very problematic. I think it's going to lead to poor sack production. I don't think he has a, well, I don't think he has a good package off the edge, a great plan off the edge either. And I would have liked to see that farther more advanced. But some of that might just be the physical, you know, rigid limitations that he does have because he can't do it. And so those are some of the things that bring concern to me. Uh, about George Karloftis. So I was never the biggest Karloftis fan, even going back to like the off season when people loved him, but it was always one of those guys that if he did fall to the pick 30, where the chiefs are going to be picking and they took him, I'd be like, Oh cool. That's a five pick. That's a Steve Spagnolian pick that he goes in. He starts a defensive end. He shuts down the run, provides some power rush after really diving in though. Nah, I don't get it. He's not that good versus the run. He actually plays, he doesn't play through his length. I mean, he does not, he's not very long in general, but he's he a little stubbier than you think. He is, and he doesn't play, he plays even shorter than his arm length is. He very much wins via driving through the inside shoulder or sh- slipping under to the inside gap. He doesn't play through a tackle very well. In space, he looks like Chris Jones trying to defend the run in space. Ohio State, his Ohio State film, that game from 2020, 2021 might be the single worst game of any defensive end I watched all season. It was that bad. He was getting shut down by offensive tackles that Aiden Hutchinson, Arnold Ebikide, David Ajabo made look terrible. Boy Mafe made look terrible. And they looked like the best players in the draft versus Karloftis. They left him unblocked, made him play in space. It was gross. He has to line up with his hips tilted to the middle of the field so he can turn the edge. I don't want this to become just a giant Carl Loftus no. bashing session, but it's just, he's not a guy for me. I, I want to draft him to a 3-4 team to play 5-tech as I teach him how to use his length a little bit better, and that's where I see him winning. But the other two Big Ten guys, has Boy Mafe closed the gap to David Ajabo to you? Because I think they're in similar spots in terms of athletic profile and how they project to the NFL. Yeah. I oh I I think he's right in there. I think like I think and I, th- I think Moet is even a little bit more dense. So some of the stuff he's doing is even a little bit more impressive to me. So I yeah I think Boye Mafe is right there in the conversation for you know maybe even you know I don't know if he's gonna be there at pick thirty. Like I think there's you know there's a lot of pass rushers in this class, but like I think you can at least bring the question you know if David Ojabo if Boye Mafe actually are even available to the Chiefs at thirty. Um, both of these guys have really had good process. I think Boye Mafe has had a even better process. And I think it started at the senior bowl, 
put some really good tape together on the senior bowl. Um, and then, and he's really, he's shown explosive tests, testing both at the combine and at his pro day. Uh, and you know, he's a big physical fluid guy, uh, fluid pass rusher. And, uh, I mean, the, the one concern when it comes to a Steve Spagnolo kind of, you know, projection with Boye Mafe, arm length, kind of shorter arms, a little bit stubbier. That's one of the things you're going to have to take into consideration. Every other measurement for him looks, you know, very in line with what Spagnolo likes from a size weight perspective. It's the arm length. Yeah. And with both guys, I think you're going to deal with just from a play style. Neither one of them are particularly good it's against the, the run. run. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's the, both of them, especially for Steve Spagnuolo uh, are going to be designated pass rushers early on. They are not your base down guys. And that, that is a little bit of a problem when you're talking, investing a first round pick or having to trade up for a first round pick. I'm with you though. I think there, there might be some teams that look at boy Mafe and I think that he's a little bit more polished than David Ojabo is. I like David Ojabo's traits a lot better. I have him graded, I think pretty significantly better. If I were to be looking at it right now, I'm look switching over. Yeah. I got him as graded as a better player. So I like what he can be better, but I think Mafe has definitely closed that gap because either guy you're looking at a projection as a designated pass rusher and Mafe shows more consistent hands, a better concept of a pass rush plan going through everything right now. So here's the thing. Where do these two, are either one of these guys going to be available at 30? Uh, I think, I don't know. I don't know. I think, I think these are, I think this is the, I mean, I, I, both of them very easily deserve to be off the board by 30. Like, I think you could very easily make an argument that both of these guys are off the board by 30. And that's the thing that worries me too when you're looking at this draft class and you're trying to address the edge rusher position. I think those guys could be gone too. There were six uh, defensive ends that went in the first round last year, and three were available. Uh, three were gone by um, by uh, the, by pick thirty. The difference though is the edge rushers in this class. Like the 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 run on edges started at pick eighteen last year. The run on edges is starting as early as pick one in this year's draft. So I think that's what gets a little bit interesting. I think I think those guys could be off the board before the Chiefs are uh, available to pick. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I'm fully with you there. I think everybody has kind of switched to penciling in Boy Mafe as their favorite Chiefs pick at 30. And like, I don't, I can't promise, like not promise, like obviously none of us can promise, but like, I don't know if he's going to be there. If I I was pulling it up now, I I would compare this edge class a lot more to like 2019. So if you start looking at 2019, that edge rushing thing started at pick two. You got three guys that came off the board in top 10. Um, you get Rashawn Gary comes off at pick 12. Brian Burns pick 16. I know everybody that year, the guy everybody wanted was Montez Sweat, who came off at pick 26. Like, there's the first guy that you could maybe go trade up into. But, like, guys came off the board, I think, a little bit faster. So, I mean, there you had six guys off the board. But by pick 26, you would have to move up to go get one of them. I think this might be a similar situation as that. Chiefs fan. Now, this is when the Chiefs traded away the pick to get Frank Clark and LJ Collier got taken with their pick as the seventh <laughs> event in that draft. George Karloftis, LJ Collier, I'm not saying, but I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> so, but here it is if you want to keep that pick and trade up, you might have to trade up and go get to go get Montez Sweats, who you won in 2019. You want Boy Mafe this year. These are just parallels between Chiefs fans. You might have to go trade up to get them. I mean, that's that's all it is. It could be a little bit um it could be a little bit 2017-ish, too. Miles Garrett, Solomon Thomas, one and three. Uh, Derek Barnett, pick 14. I mean, the four guys went in the top 17 picks. Like I think that's closer to what we're seeing this year. But six pass rushers were gone by pick 30, or seven pass rushers, I'm sorry, I believe, were gone by pick 30 uh, in that draft. And TJ Watt went at pick 30. So, I mean, we'll see. Uh, I want to talk a little bit down the line here. Oh, for sure, um, yeah. We got to get to these day twos. We got to get these day twos because there's a lot of guys that make sense for the Chiefs from a fit perspective. There's one guy I really want you to talk about because you are a lot higher on him, I believe, than a lot of other people. It's Tyreek Smith out of Ohio State. And he's a guy that we have actually clustered very close to the Boye Mafes. I mean, him and Boye Mafe have very similar grades, but Tyreek Smith isn't getting the same kind of love maybe nationally as we hold him in esteem uh, in the KC draft guys. So I want to give you a chance to talk about your guy, Tyreek Smith. Yeah, I, I am a big Tyreek Smith fan. He's a guy that I think was, I don't remember if he was a four or five star recruit, but a highly recruited guy goes to Ohio state waits in line. And he just, he never took that final jump you wanted to see from Ohio state defensive end, you know, to get that real big push heading into the NFL. But I'm watching the senior bowl and he's quick off the ball. He's got good hands and then he can, he can bend a little bit. And like as good as this pass rush class is, it's a lot of power rushers without a ton of guys that bend super well. So seeing, seeing Tyree Smith do that, it got me intrigued. You go back and watch him and you can pick out the flashes for sure. You can say, oh no, he can speed rush up the arc. He can dip under a tackle and make a play on the quarterback because he did it a handful of times. He's showing you these flashes every single game of what he can do. It's just consistently putting it together. My one concern, and this will, once I finish plugging all this stuff in, he is in that boy Mafe range right now. I think his athletic testing is going to pull him down out of it a little bit because he's a pretty, you know, average 
athlete. We haven't seen the agility stuff, which I think will be good. But, you know, he ran a 48-240 at only 254 pounds. So it's not great, but he has the arm length of 33 inches. You know, he's average explosive athlete, average in speed. I think his flexibility stuff might be pretty good. That'll separate him. Like, he's a guy, if you're sitting there at the end of round two or in round three and you're just trying to draft a guy that can flash the ability to be a pass rusher at the NFL level, he's the guy I'm taking over just about anybody else. And that's all you're drafting on day two. You're drafting the ability to just flash that they can do something more because your hit rate is so small for guys in that range. Now, I will also say this. You really, really want to draft athletes outside of round one at pass rusher. You want premier athletes. Tyreek Smith doesn't hit that. That's a slight concern. So like you're looking at more of like a Chase Winovich type career, not player, but type career. And even Chase Winovich was a pretty good, a little bit better athlete. So like that's what the kind of career you're looking at. It's just like a quality rotational pass rusher. But I don't know how many of those you're getting at pick 62 or later. Right. And I think that's one of the one of the big questions there. Um, But I I don't think I, I yeah, you've got to draft athletes outside of round you gotta draft athletes period the the correlation between athletic profile and um production in the nfl is significant it's sizable and there's you know there's a there's a there's math rushers uh you know if you if you listen to uh (laughs) if you lifted in the justice Mosqueda, he used to call it force players math rushers there's a correlation between athletic testing and uh and, and production in the NFL level. Like Trey Hendrickson was a athletic testing freak. He was a day three pick and he had he's had an outstanding career. So there is a strong correlation. There's actually there is one uh there's one guy that, that I'm kind of interested in on day three. Um Dominic Robinson out of Miami, Ohio. He has had an outstanding uh pre-draft process and he's one of those guys. Uh his relative athletic score currently sits at a 9.5 out of 10 which is a very high um which is a very high number uh he weighed 253 pounds at the nfl combine which is right there on the line of the steve spagnuolo thresholds um six four and almost six five um but he had an outstanding vertical outstanding broad ran a four seven two forty uh had a a a one six seven ten yard split which isn't perfect but this is an interesting guy um, cause you know, he, his, his path to edge rusher, uh, has not been linear because he was a wide receiver at the beginning of his, uh, his career, but physical athletic profile, a lot of upside, a lot of ability there. Um, what do you think about him? Yeah, I think that's a, a guy that you're looking, like I just said with Tyreek Smith, you're looking for a guy to take a shot on that's flashed the ability to be a premier player. And Dominique Robinson has done that. And not only has he done that. He is that elite athlete. He is hitting those athletic metrics that you want to see out of guys to take these shots on. So, like, he's absolutely a guy that you are considering late in the draft. Um, the not a holdup necessarily. It's just a part of me with him is that I know he switched late to the position, but he was even a part-time player for Miami of Ohio at defensive end his final year. Not too many guys succeed in the NFL after they're always a part-time player. Now he's explosive. I think he was is going to be, or he had a good enough three cone. If I remember right, I had his pro day to where you are going to anticipate him being good at the NFL. He's going to fit a lot of these math rusher kind of uh, uh, rankings that you need. Um, the college production is so bad though. And like, I know it was a couple of years ago, but there was a strong correlation between guys having over like 14 and a half sacks 
or having over uh, double digit sacks in one year, something like it was the, I don't remember the exact numbers, but it was double digit sacks in a year or over a number in the teens for career sacks. And that was like all but one of your leading uh, pass rushers in the NFL in terms of sack production where they did that in college. Dominique Robinson didn't get there. You know, he only had eight and a half sacks his last. Now it's only two years of edge play, but he didn't get there. The only other guy that didn't get there, Daniil Hunter, who is like the craziest of outliers of college production to NFL production. He's uh, yeah, he's a projection. He's a big projection in a lot of different ways. We said he started his career as a receiver. Yeah. Part-time player, but I'm not sure he can't add a little bit more to his frame. I'm not sure like you can't add a little bit more to his frame. add him a little bit more physically and what happens as a day three swing. If you, if you develop him a little bit more, um, okay. So anybody at the defensive end position outside of this, that you're just, you know, you just, you want to make sure we talk about before we move on to quarterback a little bit. Yeah. One more guy. And it's back to day two, most likely, uh, oh no, definitely back to day two, Drake Jackson out of USC. And here's a guy that was a very high recruit that came in and made some splashes as a freshman for USC. And he was mostly playing defensive tackle. And I actually think he weighed about 270. Over the years since, he had dropped down to where he said he was playing at like two in the 230s at the edge position. And that was, wasn't where he felt good at. And you could see his game. I don't want to say he necessarily got worse, but you could, you know, he did get worse, but you could see there was just some lack of comfort. Like one or two plays a game, he would fire out of his stance. He'd bend around the corner and be like, whoa, there's that guy I saw that I thought had this potential to be a first round pick. And then it disappeared for years. We'll come to find out this off season, he's been adding, or this uh, draft cycle, he's been adding weight. He got back up to 254 before the combine. He said he was in the 260s before that, so he might have slimmed back down. But at 254, he comes out, broad jumps 127 inches, vertical jumps over 36 inches, 34-inch arms, six foot three. like I said, 254. So big-framed guy that can carry more weight. He has flashed that elite potential in the past. Like, you're looking at a Steve Spagnuolo type of defensive end has explosive traits. We don't know the agilities yet. We don't know the 40 time, but just here's a guy that his weight has been fluctuating through a terrible coaching staff at USC, just terrible coaching staff at USC, no stability. They're moving him around, asking to add weight, drop weight, get him some, some consistency. And you might have somebody there. Like this might be a guy that could fit the math rusher type, you know, philosophy, but also I just think getting him into a consistent program, he might just simply be good enough that he could have been a first round pick if he had a better coaching staff. Concerns against the run. Yes. No. For Drake Jackson, it, it comes and goes. This is the thing. If you played at 230 and you had concerns against the run, but you can carry 260 pounds, no problem. I don't know. Like I don't know what to do with that. I don't think as a as a freshman, he mostly played inside. He did some outside and like he wasn't great versus the run, but he wasn't terrible. So it's again, one of these things is I don't know what he's been dealing with because we don't know his weight. We don't know what he's been asked to do. I would say it's not a strength right now, but again, 30 extra pounds helps you a heck of a lot versus the run. For sure. For sure. Uh, and like, that's going to be interesting to me is just his ability against the run. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about the quarterback position. We don't have to spend too much time on it because Patrick LaVon Mahomes, Chad Henney back Shane Bouchelle. But I think there's some things that could really potentially affect uh, the chiefs draft a little bit. And um, you know, it, it's, it's how many quarterbacks, you know, actually go in the first round. So Maddie, I'm going to ask you off the top. How many quarterbacks do you think go in the first round? Three. Okay. Um, 
I, I was higher before, and I don't even feel great about three. I'm wondering if somebody slips back at the end of the first round or one of those teams sitting at the end maybe considers taking one for this simple reason. There's a lot of quarterback movement, and it sounds like there's going to be a lot more. So like, yeah. I think a lot of these really QB-desperate teams are making moves right now. Like, I don't know how many teams out there are going to be like hammering down. They have to take one. Like the Steelers, for example, go sign Mitchell Trubisky, who's not great, but they get him on a friendly deal. And like, they could very easily still draft a quarterback. Don't get me wrong, but they don't have to, because I think Mitchell Trubisky gives you good enough QB play that you can make it another season before you absolutely have to. Yeah. I, I think three is probably the right. I think Malik, Malik Willis is going to wind up being quarterback one. And here's the thing. Here's how I look at it. We, um, we've we got three, you know, three, four quarterbacks with uh, with third round grades. Maybe, maybe I think we might have up to four now uh, or five now. I'm sorry. Um, Sam Howell, I think, snuck in there with the third round grade at the bottom of that tier and Malik Willis in there at the top. That's around the range we had Mac Jones. And Mac Jones wound up going in the top 15. The quarterback needy teams, there's there's guys that kind of evaluate similar to how we assess those guys. I have a feeling that we could see three go. Um, if you're going to tell me, if you're asking me the three, I think it's Malik Willis, Desmond Ritter, and Kenny uh, Pickett. I know Maddie's going to laugh at Kenny Pickett because of the tiny hands. Uh, but I think those are the three guys that are you know kind of the top. Matt Corral, maybe some teams want to take a swing on him. Sam Howell is the interesting one to me. He's still a really young kid. Um, he's actually a perfect guy to kind of draft and develop. I think so. If you put him in a situation with a veteran quarterback, I think there's some interesting traits there, and he's still extremely young. That's the top five quarterbacks for us right now, uh, in that order. I think so. Um, yeah, I, I think three go, and that's huge for the Chiefs because when you're stacking, you, you got to get to 29 players, right? So, you know, you're hoping, uh, you know, there's a run on tackles. You know, there's three locks at tackle. Maybe you're hoping Trevor Penning sneaks in there before you probably. Uh, you're hoping for three quarterbacks. You're, you know, maybe there's, there's, I would be stunned if there's a running back. <laughs> but hey, uh, Brees Hall has a first, and we'll get to running backs later, but Brees Hall tested like a guy that maybe should be considered in the first round. Too. I love Brees Hall, but don't, don't get me wrong. Um, you know, yeah. So like, I think those are the guys and like the quarterback situation is pretty well settled right now for the AFC West. So there's really not a ton of guys that, you know, the chiefs are very likely to be facing here either. So, um, you know, I, I want to talk about, you know, maybe some guys that you like as developmental guys. I, you know, there's one, there's, <laughs> the, the in, I know, right. There's interesting day three guys. There's, there's a few interesting day three guys. Have you had a chance to watch much Caleb Ellaby out of Western Michigan? Yet? Well, yes. Cause he throws the ball to my long lost son, the sky more. So I have seen a lot of Caleb Ellaby and unfortunately He's a guy that I watching live just the random games here and there throughout the year that I thought would he might be interesting. He might be a guy that could maybe slip into day two with some traits. Nah, I don't see it. I I was woefully unimpressed. Yeah. Once I woefully unimpressed once I watched him more. Not watching him, but just watching the offense more. I didn't see a lot to really bank on and to build through. He should have gone back an extra year for sure. I mean, that offense doesn't do him any favors, so I get why not going back, but I just didn't see a whole lot to bank on for him to exceed succeed. I, it was interesting. I think he's still the best. Like if you're looking at some of the day three swings, like maybe you can talk about Carson Strong's, but his knees concerning, but I, I kind of like Caleb Bellaby. I like, um, I like, some of his, like, I, I don't think his offense did him any service. And you're right. I was still, I, I still probably didn't have as good of opinion as I did coming into really evaluating him. Like it definitely wavered a little bit down in, in a negative way. Um, but 
I still think there's some interesting traits. There's some deep ball ability down the field. Some of his ability to throw some balls under, you know, let guys run underneath. I thought he was, had some good moments with some accuracy down the field. He's really good operating that run pass option game. And it's the thing that sucks is he's really good at running the run pass option game. They used it so much. A lot of his reads were very simplified. And sometimes he would get stuck on some of these RPOs. I was very interested because I think he actually moves pretty well. But he doesn't have he doesn't have a lot of rushing yards or anything like that in his career. He really doesn't have a lot of ability with his legs. Um, so that was kind of interesting to me. But I like Caleb Ellaby. I don't love him. And I was really hoping to like him more when I evaluated. It's kind of weird, you know, like we say this, and it's probably a good time to remind everybody, like, you know, we don't hate players, we don't hate prospects, we just don't value them maybe where some other people do. Like even George Karloftis, he's not not worth a pick. It's just we don't like it at pick 30. Uh, Caleb Ellaby, I, I think I still have like a low fifth round grade on him. He was almost a sixth, seventh round pick. But I think he's an interesting swing, and he's still a pretty young kid. Maddie, any other quarterbacks you want to talk about maybe on day three or developmental guys? Yeah, you're not going to like it. But um, Jack Cohn, to me, every time I watch him, there's just enough to keep me coming back to say – you know, there's enough here. I said, I don't see a lot with her Ellaby to think he's going to succeed. And I still think I probably like Ellaby a little bit more because there's more like physical talent. But when I watch Jack Cohn, I can tell you how he's going to win in the NFL if it happens. I can tell you right now it's because he's smart. He moves pretty well in the pocket. He processes the field. I actually think pretty darn well for a college quarterback that has switched systems. Like I think he does a lot of the mental stuff that people love Kenny Pickett for. And then I love his movement in the pocket. It's subtle, but it's like at the good times. Like I can see it with Cone. I can see how he's a long-term backup, how if he's thrust into a starting spot, he could maybe be just barely below average for a couple games a year. I've come around on Jack Cohn a little bit, actually. I don't know. And he's out of Notre Dame, by the way. Uh, I've actually come around a little bit more on him, and him and Ellaby are right up against each other in our KCSN draft guide rankings. He had a really good senior or Shrine Bowl process. Like, that's been very good for him. I wish he, I, I would like to see him challenge down the field a little bit more than he does and try to fit balls a little bit more in the intermediate. Um, he's very quick to work down. And, like, I mean, like, that's, he's a game manager in a lot of different ways. And I, that's not a bad thing. I think there, you know, a lot, of, you know, there, there's, there's, qual there's traits and, and qualities that, you know, will help him stick in the NFL for a long time. Like, it, it, I just wish that he was a little bit more um, willing to challenge into the intermediate than he has been when I've watched him. So um, that's kind of one of the things I don't like him. But you're right, protecting the football. He's not a great athlete. He can maneuver the pocket enough. He's not going to be an asset with his legs. Gets the ball out of his hands. Uh, works down to the back, gives his you know his athletes in space a chance down in the flats. So like, there's some good things to like about him. I just don't think there's a ceiling at all uh, to to him being really a, a quality starter. Uh, that's just me. Uh, that is going to do it for the KCSN Draft Show. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to purchase the KCSN Draft Guide, the link is in the description. We appreciate all of you so much for supporting KC Sports Network. We'll catch you later. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.